0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. He faces the floor. They'll let Cheetham throw it in over the defense to Burke. Burke to
1: the goal. Dunks it, got it. Under Duck and Underdog and an and one. Exclamation point. Pump the brakes. The Huskers are up 72 to 66. What a great play on the inbounds pass, 94 feet away. Put that
2: dude on a poster.
0: Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
3: Thank you. We're back after a night off. Husker Hoops bumped us off the airwaves last night. We have a full three-hour show coming your way tonight. Coming up here in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. He's written some really good pieces about Matt Lubick, the new offensive coordinator for the Huskers, and a really nice sit-down preview of the Husker baseball season with new head coach Will Bolt. We'll talk about all that with Evan coming up in a couple of minutes. Hour number two, it's our men's basketball show for the week. Coach Hoiberg is headed off to recruit, but he's going to join us for a a segment of the show. Uh, And then Bobby Lutz, who is a special assistant to the head coach, will be in studio for a few segments. And Ben had a chance earlier today to talk to Charlie E. Easily the newest scholarship player on the basketball team, so we'll have that conversation for you in our number two as well. Wednesday night, it's buy sell, which is going to actually conclude the fall season. This is the, so we already answered the last batch, man. So we'll find out who wins this season. Is this season eleven or twelve? Uh, I think it's something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's so we'll wrap up a season and then launch. Season 12. There you go, Brett. We've outlasted some terrific shows. We have. The yeah. Office or the Parks and Rec. Yeah. <laughs> we've gone from Game of Thrones. We've we've outlasted all those. So we'll, <laughs> we'll wrap that up tonight and start a new season tonight as well. We'll also hear from Husker Women's Gymnastics Coach Heather Brink. They've got a major matchup tomorrow night at the Devaney Center against eighth-ranked Michigan. A duel that's going to be televised on ESPN2 tomorrow night. Starts at 6 o'clock, so Heather Brink will join us to give us the latest on her squad. It's won their last couple of outings, including a Sunday duel victory over Michigan State. So we'll get the latest on that. And as always, phone lines are open and available to you at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Mentioned we were not on last night Husker basketball. They entertained the Michigan Wolverines last night. And, Ben, I was so optimistic all day yesterday, knowing that Simpson was out for Michigan, knowing that Livers was probably not going to be a go for them, and Michigan's just been kind of swimming in mud for the last month. And the Huskers, for a good chunk of that game, looked like they were in really good stead. And then Kevin Cross gets the fourth foul, goes to the bench, and Nebraska misses eight of their next nine shots. Next thing you know, it's a 10-point Michigan lead. Yeah,
4: it was really a, a weird game in that respect because, you know, I kind of thought the same thing heading into the arena, walking in the arena, thinking Nebraska had a really good chance to win that one. Uh, but then Michigan came out to warm up and I'm going, geez, these, dudes, these dudes are big. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I don't know, you know, I wasn't quite sure the minute distribution, you know, what, what it was going to be. Coach Howard, first of all, it was really cool seeing Juwan Howard, like, the Fab Five and everything that he went through with the Heat and being in the NBA for a long time—it was kind of cool watching him coach on the sideline. Um, but anyway, I, just watching those guys warm up and just thinking, how are we going to guard these guys? And and I thought Nebraska did a pretty good job of that in the first half. I think Michigan made it a point to try and get the ball down low a lot in the first half. Um, it was clear that that Wagner, there there wasn't anybody on anybody on Nebraska's team that could match up well with him uh so he, I think he took six of the first seven shots Michigan had I think he only made one of them but you knew that that wasn't a great matchup whoever was guarding Teske that wasn't a great matchup um and then Johns comes in and Nebraska had no answer for him I mean they had Thor on him a lot of the night where he was outsized by six inches and that's just not not a good matchup now thankfully he isn't as skilled as a lot of the players in the league that his size are and he didn't he didn't kill nebraska like a you know guys that we're watching now with michigan state probably could have but and there's a reason why he doesn't play that many minutes in a normal rotation but the 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 matchup presented itself and he got a good opportunity last night um i thought nebraska needed to do a really good job on brooks um take his deep threat away coming into the, into the that game. I thought that was a big key of mine. He's one, really one of the one proven guys on the floor that you knew could hurt you, and he did. Uh, so that was a little disappointing. But that being said, you know, Nebraska, for the first 30 minutes of that game, seemed to always have an answer. You know, Mich- Michigan would go up seven, they'd hit a three. They'd go up six, they'd hit a three. Nebraska on a 5-0 run, they'd get a big turnover in a bucket. They would always stay right there, and they even took um, – 52 50 lead with like 14 minutes to go 13 minutes to go but you always kind of felt like nebraska was the team that had to respond like michigan would throw a punch and nebraska would throw a counter punch the huskers couldn't quite throw the first punch and make michigan have them have to respond to them uh and then as you said to kind of start at the Kevin Cross was unbelievable yesterday making shots, and he was kind of the guy I was talking about when Nebraska had it. He was the answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was the, the X-factor yesterday, uh, where Thor didn't have a great night offensively, and DB had a hard time getting going offensively. Uh, but it was either Cam or it was Kevin, and when Kevin picked up that fourth foul, that changed so many dynamics in that game on both ends of the floor. Offensively, you took away, other than Cam Mack, your biggest scoring weapon that night, and You know, in doing that, um, you know, you take him off the floor. Teske pretty much just sat underneath the basket and took away all the driving lanes, took away all the back cuts because Ivan was just no threat outside four feet. You saw him take one shot and he airballed it. So just that one – just having Kevin on the floor, you know, Teske or Davis or Castleton had to respect – Kevin's shooting ability and pulled him out at least to the free throw line that opened up so much space on the floor but picking up that fourth foul was huge and he even picked up in his second foul in the first half he picked up two quick ones and I think he came back on the floor with like three or four minutes left in the first half Um, you know Kevin being in foul trouble really hurt Nebraska but then on the other end of the floor Nebraska just had no, no nobody down there that could bang with those big bodies and They got a lot of layups. They got a lot of easy looks when Nebraska was having a hard time getting anything on the other end of the floor. And you got to give a lot of credit to Michigan and Coach Howard for his game plan because for what they had to work with, I thought the plan they executed was
3: a pretty good one. Yeah, uh, Nebraska was getting good looks. Cross, not only was he hitting threes, but we saw him put it on the deck a couple times and go right around one of the Michigan bigs. Ivan can't do that. Mm -hmm. That's not in his game. Kevin can, and Kevin rose to the occasion – and the darn fouls kept him from playing more than he did. He played to almost 21 minutes, which is pretty good for him. Uh, but the fouls kept him, I think, from even playing more. Cam Mack is continuing to play great basketball for Nebraska. He's now in a pretty good rhythm shooting the three. He wasn't shooting very well early in the season. He now is. He's really become a threat. And you mentioned Thor. It seemed obvious to me that... Michigan was not going to let Thor beat them. They had guys glued to him all night. Thor only got six-shot attempts in the game. They and Most like, of them were contested. They were. I think Michigan goes, we got to take him out because we'll, we'll let Mac do his thing. He's going to get his, but we got to keep Thor from being the guy that's hitting those dagger threes. And for the most part, they did.
4: Well, and that's what this is what happens, Greg. We, we go through this all the time in college baseball when, when freshmen are... There's no scout on him, you know. They're they're kind of bursting onto the scene, and you, you know, there, there's this new player, and um, there's no book on him. Well, once coaches figure out he has trouble with the slider lowing away, well, what's going to happen? Thor's no longer a secret. He's mm-hmm. a 48% three-point shooter. So you know, you come into this year, and even the first half of the year, this is an unknown player that you don't really know a whole lot about, and you know, it, it might look like an anomaly that that his shooting percentage is so high until you're halfway through the season you go okay this kid is legit 48 percent three-point shooter we got to close out on him now that there's a scout there's a scout there's there's a conscious effort to take him away it's like any other sport you know when when you have tendencies when you when when you have film and when guys start to perform you start to prepare for him a little bit more and and that's a little bit why Kevin Cross is so successful right now is because teams are having a hard time figuring out what is it that he does well what is it that he likes to do it won't be long before teams put up a scouting report for Kevin Cross. And and you got to take advantage of these times while you have them. There's no doubt that Michigan took him out of the game. And I think they're not going to be the last team to take him out of the game.
3: Right. So, disappointing night at PBA. The Huskers home again Saturday night against Penn State. Tip-off at 6 o'clock as they try to snap this losing skid that's uh, is growing by the minute for this team. Huskers now uh, have lost their last six games and stand at 7-14. and 14. Yesterday, there was some football news that came down the pipe that we did not get a chance to address because we didn't have the show last night, and that was the name of another Husker player going into the transfer portal. And this is, this is one of our own. This is a young man from the state of Nebraska, Jalen Bradley, who, from Bellevue West who had a, a terrific prep career. In that program, it's just starting to really churn out Division One players year after year, and, and Jalen never really could crack the two deep. Ben and he played for two different coaches. He played one year with Coach Riley, and, and then the last couple years under Coach Frost and, and Ryan Held as his position coach, and, and he was getting bypassed. I mean, guys are jumping around him. Like Wyatt Missouri was jumping around. Brody Belt was jumping, leaping over him on the depth chart, and I, I'm sure that's Jalen's seeing this and two highly touted incoming players in, in Scott and Morrison that are going to make it really difficult for him. I don't blame him for leaving. Um, it's disappointing. I, I think we all thought we were going to get a lot more out of Jalen Bradley when he came out of Bell West.
4: Yeah, and especially early in his career, there was a few games where he, he was the guy at the end of the game under Coach Riley, and you thought, you know, okay, you know, th- this isn't an all-conference type player by any stretch, but this is a guy that might, that might help us. Uh, but to me – and and, it, and it, probably for him too it was pretty hard to not see the writing on the wall after spring last year when Nebraska's running back room was basically non-existent and there was nobody in that room getting carries because of injury and Maurice Washington's situation anybody that played running back was was eligible for those carries and there's a reason why you know the coaches thought what they did of Brody Belt because he took advantage of those carries and And those reps and you know showed them flashes and and that was the time for Jalen to really step up and 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 prove to himself and to to everybody on the team that you know this is a guy that you need to take seriously unfortunately it's really difficult for some players to take that jump to the next level and I'm not sure that Jalen ever got comfortable with what it took to be a successful running back in the Big Ten that's not to say he's not a good running back I think he's going to transfer somewhere and probably finish out his career pretty well but you know, to do it at this level and make that jump, um, it's not easy to do. And I think he found that out the hard way. I'm, I, I give him a lot of credit for sticking around as long as he did. Uh, but it was clear that, you know, after last year, not even just through spring, but even going through the season when the running back numbers were dwindling away and your number still wasn't called, that, that's probably pretty telling of how much more work you needed to do to get on the field. So um, it's unfortunate it didn't work out as you said he had an unbelievable career at Bellevue West was you know one of the one of the record holders in the state for a long time for uh, rushing yards and touchdowns just had an outstanding career but unfortunately just never manifested to anything at Nebraska and, and hopefully he can go somewhere and finish out his college career the right way
3: it's been a pretty busy January for subtractions to the program I mean you we've talked about Tony Butler John Raritan now, Jalen, we, we finally got some finality on Maurice Washington that he is no longer part of the program. So you've had some departures, but attrition's part of it when you're dealing with 85 scholarship young men. You're going to have that. And, you know, Nebraska signed 23 in the fall, and I think if nobody had left, they would have been over the 85. Now, you're okay in the spring because you have some incoming players who aren't won't be here for this semester, but they'll be here in the summer. But you have to have a little bit of that. It's not the fun process part of it. Uh, but and I asked you this a couple of weeks ago. When we we're talking about Tony Butler and the and the John Reardon. These are still guys that that are leaving. That and Purnell Jefferson. I need to throw him in there as well. They're not on. They haven't been on the depth chart, so it's not really going to affect much of that. No. And with the ever moving landscape of transfers
4: and grad transfers and transfer portals, I think you always want to kind of leave yourself some option and not only for the team but from the individual aspect as well you know why not take advantage of that if, if you're a player that's not getting the opportunity that that you feel you need or deserve here maybe you can find it elsewhere so I think it's you know these types of departures that we're seeing from Nebraska that what the what the portals meant for guys that have mm-hmm. given it two three four years and just not working out and you're not seeing the field and you know you want to go change it up I, I think that's great that they get another chance to do that um, you know but I think it's best for both parties at this point and for Nebraska to open up those scholarship numbers. And um, I'm sure there will probably be more at some point by the time we tee it up in the fall. Um, going through spring practice, I'm sure there will be a couple more. But you always want that option open, you know, to, to keep those lines in the water from getting players elsewhere.
3: One week from today is the signing day, the the traditional one, which may be pretty quiet around Nebraska. Maybe one, maybe two, maybe none. Uh, Next week. All right, those are some of the headlines we're chasing here today. 866 Oscar 1, 866 487 5371. When we come back, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald will join us. Come on back. Welcome back. Sports Nightly here on a Wednesday night. Hump day, halfway to the weekend. I like the sound of that. I also like the sound of hearing Evan Bland's voice. He's going to join us now here on our Woodhouse Auto Family sports Nightly hotline evan writes for the omaha world herald you can also read his work online at omaha.com good evening evan how are you
5: Greg, doing well how are you
3: fantastic um let's jump into some football you've had some pretty good stuff here in the last few weeks and let's start with the news yesterday were you surprised at all on the announcement of Jalen bradley that he was going to enter the transfer portal and I mean, you, you certainly followed his prep career as well. I mean, is disappointing the right word that it just didn't take off for him here? What, how do you put all that into perspective for us?
5: Yeah, no, I think that's probably a, a good way to describe it. I mean, he he obviously had a great career at Bellevue West, broke a number of state records, um, and was a big get. You know, if you think back to when he committed and, and ended up at Nebraska, that was a big deal. It really uh, you know, he he could take off, and then in that first season in 2017, he got some play down the stretch, and quite honestly, brought some life to that running game that they just hadn't showed to that point. But you know, from that point on, he had a, a couple of carries against Maryland last year, uh, and he just we just didn't hear his name very often. You know, I think that's something that I always fall back on during the season when we meet with uh, uh, coaches and players throughout the week. I mean, you just hear different names come up and, you know, this guy's on the rise or watch out for that guy. And you just never heard uh, Jalen's name come up. And it was especially stark when you consider the attrition that hit that running back room, uh, you know, over the course of the season. And so, uh, you know, you got the sense certainly that if he wasn't going to even get a look this past season, then it probably wasn't going to happen. Uh, at Nebraska for him for whatever reason. And so, uh, you know, I think when you finish a season, you kind of look at uh, who some of the older players are in the roster. Uh, his name certainly was one that made sense. That said, you know, uh, he certainly gave it a run. Hopefully he made some memories. But if he wants to get on the field – uh, it's probably best for him that he looks elsewhere and, and for Nebraska, you know, they can uh, look elsewhere as well and, and maybe find somebody uh, to give that scholarship to who could be a little bit more in the mix.
3: Have you heard any rumblings where he may may try to go as, a, as one of the Dakota schools, maybe a possibility for him?
5: You know, I, I don't have a ton of specifics on that necessarily. Um, you know, he, he certainly was being recruited regionally uh, out of high school, but uh, you know, again, just, just with the athletic ability alone, I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, certainly, you want to get on the field and play, and uh, wherever he ends up, certainly wish him the best, and it seems like it was just one of those things that uh, makes sense for both sides.
3: Evan Bland is with us from the Omaha World-Herald. He covers Husker football and baseball. We're going to sneak in a baseball question or two a little bit later on. You also uh, did some a deep dive into the new offensive coordinator for the Cornhuskers, Matt Lubick, who – uh, we talked to here on sports nightly last week obviously a football family when you're when your dad's the head coach at a, a big program like Colorado state you certainly probably grew up with a lot of football what would you learn as you researched on Matt
5: yeah it's a lot of fun you know it's with stories like that uh it's kind of the, the process is just to cast a wide net and you see who gets back to you, you know? And then uh, I I left it fairly open-ended to most of the people I chatted with, whether that was uh, his former boss, uh, Dennis Erickson, who was uh, was the head coach uh, over Matt Lubick at uh, Oregon State, Arizona State, uh, a number of former players, both at Arizona State and Oregon State, or I'm sorry, Oregon as well. Um, And, you know, I think what struck me about hearing from what they had to say was how much of an X's and O's guy he was. First of all, but then second of all, how he was able to translate that uh, into, you know, actionable practices that, that spurred improvement in them. You know, I think of uh, the Vernon uh, Adams, who, who was the quarterback for Oregon in 2015. He was a an FCS transfer, grad transfer to Oregon, and he, he basically spent the month of August uh, with Matt Lubick, just learning the offense. Um, you know. The, daily learning 10 to 20 plays until to, to the point to where he actually earned the starter job uh, was the Pac-12 newcomer of the year. Um, you know, you, can, you listen to stories of some of the receivers who uh, say he just, he breaks things down in a simple, in a simple way. Here's how you read a defense. Here's how you find an open pocket based on the coverage that's going against you. You know, and, and I think the other thing that's, that's kind of funny about him is he's a little bit more of the, the quieter stoic type just listening to uh, what players have to say about him. But at the same time, you know, he'll give you some of that dry wit and just find a way to kind of get under your skin as a competitor to maybe uh, take that next step. You know, I think if, uh, if the story of Daryl Hawkins, who was his, uh, well, during him at Oregon in 2013, he would say that, you know, when a, in a practice or whatnot, when a defender would get the best of a receiver, uh, you know, the play would be over. Lubick would kind of sidle up to that player and say, oh, that was that was kind of an unathletic move there, you know, and that just bugs those receivers even worse than something, you know, a little more obvious, like, hey, pick it up, something like that. So uh, he, he finds a way to kind of get that motivating uh, kind of barb in there. And then, you know, I think the last thing about him uh, that I found especially interesting was his relationship with, with Scott Frost. I mean, players that Frost is, is kind of a, a laid back guy who can rally the troops and then, uh, during their time at Oregon, Lubick was kind of the, the stoic, tireless supporter behind the scenes who was helping run things, had the, the shared vision of the offense, knew uh, was very much on the same page with what Scott Frost wanted to do. And so, uh, you know, their titles at Oregon uh, were different than what they are going to be here at Nebraska. But in both cases, Scott Frost called the offensive plays. Uh, Lubick worked with the receivers, and that seemed to work out pretty well for them. In three years, they were a top-five scoring offense each year uh, together at Oregon so you know a lot of ways this, this hire makes a lot of sense and I think everyone that I spoke with said man we're looking forward to seeing what Nebraska's offense looks like next year because of what Matt Lubick can bring.
3: Evan he he took the year off uh, left Washington and moved back to Fort Collins what do you make of that and did anybody shed any light on that to you?
5: Yeah a little bit I mean I think the context is important all right I mean he grew up a coach's son Sonny Lubick obviously very successful coach ended up at uh, Colorado State into the early 2000s but you know Matt Lubick went to four different high schools in four years as part of that experience growing up you look at his uh, track record uh, as a coach he never spent more than four four years in any given place Um, so that kind of factors in and then you know he he had been up until this last year he'd been coach a coach in 24 straight college seasons and you think about all the work that goes into that with recruiting and, and the intense, you know, uh, work that goes into the in season uh, grind as well. And it's just like, man, it, it, in a lot of ways, that makes a lot of sense to, maybe you need to take a step back. And I think also you look at just kind of the, the personality of Matt Lubick. I mean, he's a guy who runs with his players. He's on a very strict uh, diet. that He abides by in terms of what he eats. So he's somebody who's kind of an all or nothing sort of guy. And, You know, you think about a quarter century of coaching football and and being a grinder and and that sort of thing. I think it makes all the sense in the world that you could take a year off and recharge. And, you know, I I spoke with his dad about it, and and he said, yeah, he thinks Matt's going to be all the better for it, for having taken that year, and now uh, it can can refocus you, can rekindle that love uh, for the game. And and it seems by all accounts that he's back and, uh, you know, ready to do some things.
3: Evan, you've been around a lot of these coaches. I I think more of them ought to do it. As hard as they grind, I think they would all benefit from somewhere in their 40s, kind of which is where Matt Lubick is now. I think it would really help them out a little bit. Well, I mentioned that you also cover Husker baseball. Different skipper. No more Darren Erstad, Will Bolt, And you've uh, written a piece about some possible changes for the program. What have you learned about Coach Bolt so far?
5: Yeah, it's been – it's been interesting. You know, I, I really enjoyed getting to know uh, Will Bull. I, I wasn't uh, around the program when he was here as an assistant. I remember him as a player quite a bit and what he did. I grew up watching that team uh, in Lincoln, too. But, uh, you know, the piece that you're referring to, I, I just thought it would be interesting to see what, you know, what his what like this program, because there was a lot of talk about this. The Nebraska baseball program is not – what Nebraska football and men's basketball have gone through. This is not a situation where Coach's total rebuild is in the works. I mean, this is a baseball team in Nebraska that's made regionals for the last six years. Uh, The cover is by no means bare in terms of talent, and so he's coming in and in some ways entering a pretty good situation. But uh, to me, the the culture piece is interesting because you look at what – Coach Erstad was all about. He spent 14 years as a Major League Baseball player, uh, and he kind of ran the program in a lot of ways. Players have told me it's sort of a a, a professional style team where players handled their business; they were responsible for their work, and they got that in. Uh, And and even in analytics, I thought was interesting. They they had gone to playing for big innings. You know, they didn't bunt very much in the last three seasons under Erstad, and the idea was that if you play for a big inning. And you get that beginning uh, bigger than the other teams, you're going to win more of those games. But, you know, Coach Bolt has kind of brought it back a little bit more to the college level. So there's a little bit more uh, teaching, a little bit more accountability in terms of the breakfast role that they have. You know, that players have to sign in for breakfast every day. There's certain standards on the cleanliness of their lockers. Uh, they're going to bunt more. Uh, they're going to emphasize specific roles for players. I think that was interesting. You know, you hear Coach Bolt say, a lot of times when hitters get in the slumps, it's because you hear them say they're trying to do too much. But if you, if you specify what a player's role is at the plate, then that, a lot of that confusion um, can kind of die down. So I'm going to be really interested to see how a lot of that translates in year one. Um, but certainly his track record elsewhere and at Nebraska earlier as an assistant would say a lot of it works. So I, just, I thought it would be interesting to kind of set that tone and, and see how it takes off here in year one
3: going to be fascinating starts in just a couple of weeks hard to imagine when we're looking out and seeing snow on the ground but uh, it'll be here soon so will spring football that's not that far down the road either we'll be having a bunch of stories on that Evan we certainly appreciate your time uh, keep up the great work and we'll look forward to seeing it at some press gatherings here in the coming weeks
5: you got a great thanks tonight it's
0: the nebraska basketball radio show right here on the husker sports network
1: winding up with this young and he threw it right into the hands of green lordly snapping it out of midair tried an entry bounce pass green on the right side drives the ball to the racks puts a double hit the layup Gervais green Coming from obscurity after he was benched and missed four games, and he has been the player of the game for the Big Red. We're up by three now.
0: An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball.
1: Four has a screen by Ivan. Refuses the screen in the corner to easily. Touch pass right back to Cam. Mack against Ron Harper Jr. Three ball. Bang! Hooray! A, A huge, humongous three ball by Cam Mack, and the is up by five.
0: With the head coach, Fred Hoiberg.
1: Pick and pop, cross top of the circle, starts in on Teske, pump fake, doubled, kicks it out, Burke drives it to the rim, and the goal to tie it at 50. Cross with the find. And Burke with a tying field goal.
0: Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now, here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball
3: Radio Show, Greg Sharp. Welcome to our weekly sit down chat here on Nebraska Basketball Radio Hour. The head coach is making some time for us. He's actually out on the road recruiting, but we we're able to lasso him down. We're going to chat with him here for a couple of minutes and Bobby Lukes, the special assistant to the head coach will be in studio for a couple of segments and we hope to hear from one of the Husker players themselves coming up later on in the hour and coach before we kind of dive into the the game action from this past week with Michigan and Rutgers we would be remiss if we didn't start by talking about the tragic loss to the basketball world with Kobe Bryant his daughter and seven others as part of a helicopter crash in Los Angeles I want to commend you and, and Coach Howard from Michigan. I thought the way you guys honored that last night was was very appropriate. Your your thoughts about well, the events of the last couple of days?
6: Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, it's a terrible tragedy for everybody involved in the crash, Greg. It's just you know, it's, it's, when you have a guy like that, that you know, especially in, in the world that you know I've lived in for so long, you know, this basketball world, it's just. You know, he's, he's one of those larger-than-life figures, uh, you know, truly one of the greats uh, that this game has ever seen. And, you know, when I heard the news, we actually, we were in practice. We'd just gotten out, and, you know, we were in the lounge. We had some food for the players, and one of the guys came out of the locker room and just said, there's been a report, and this is still in the early stages. I think TMZ maybe reported it. And he said, there's been a report that Kobe died, uh, in a crash and, you know, everybody at the time just thought that it was misinformation or, you know, it wasn't true. And then, you know, went upstairs, turned the TV on, hit all the news outlets. And then, you know, as the reports started to come in that it was true, uh, you know, it's just unthinkable. So, you know, he was, you know, Greg, the thing about Kobe and, you know, I played against Kobe, we were one year apart in the draft classes, um, he came in in 96. I came in in 95. And to compete against him, uh, you know, he's as close. I think Jordan's the greatest to ever played a game. And to me, Kobe is the closest to Jordan uh, because of his mentality, because of his approach uh, that this game has ever seen. And, you know, I've competed against him, you know, the most memorable was in the playoffs. Uh, when I was playing for the Timberwolves, we were the number one seed. They were the two seed that year. And we had just beaten Sacramento in seven games in the, in the conference semifinals. And then we played <clears throat> the Lakers, and that was the year they had Shaq and Kobe and Carl uh, Malone and Gary Payton. It was really the first of the super teams that uh, the teams had put together. And just to compete against him in a playoff series. And, you know, even though Shaq, you know, maybe is dominating a player uh, physically, you know, maybe all the way back to Wilt, Uh, that there ever was you know kobe was the go-to guy he was the one that when they needed a bucket that's who they went to and just to perform against him uh you know looking back on the career uh, you just always feared him because you knew uh he had such a mental toughness to him and that all went back to his work ethic and his preparation uh you know i'll never forget this i was you know, the last uh, year uh, of Kobe's career, year 20, was my first year coaching in the league, and we played them at the United Center, and we were playing a back-to-back. We played Cleveland the night before, and uh, we played the Lakers <clears throat> on a back-to-back. And We went out, we did a little walkthrough, uh, which most teams do if it's a back-to-back. You don't do your morning shoot-arounds. And I walked in the gym, I was the first guy in there, and I saw Kobe down with a ball boy by himself in a full-sweat, Three hours before the game, and you know that just shows you he had probably 20 games left in his career, and here he is still working on his craft. And you know he went out and had 22. I think we were competing for a playoff spot. It was a huge game for us. Uh, we ended up winning on the stretch, but you know he was making huge plays, scoring over one of the premier defensive players in the league and Jimmy Butler. And you know that's just who he was. He was such a competitive guy. Um, you know they, they just don't build him like that anymore. The guys that go out there, you know, you hear the stories about him working out at midnight getting a couple hours sleep waking up doing it again uh the next morning and that was what he was all about so yeah it was it was a it's a terrible loss for the basketball community and you know for juan and i two guys that actually competed against kobe uh to do that was was a no-brainer
3: heard the crowds chanting kobe last night as you guys dribbled out the clock to have a shot clock violation which i know you both agreed upon before the game was it was uh chilling and very appropriate last night now to the game, boy, Michigan, even even without a couple of guys, they're a load to defend, aren't they, Coach? I mean, they, they can really create some mismatches out on the
6: floor. Well, they've got great length across the board, Greg. And, you know, you look at a guy like uh, Wagner, who's – I mean, to me, you don't really know the true size of a player until you see him in person. And to me, uh, you know, he's every bit of 6'11 at the three spot. Uh, you know, then they're they're two bigs, uh, you know, just poses – a a real problem, especially once they kind of control the tempo of the game. We took the lead uh, with about 13 minutes to go. Uh, You know, we'd really had a good rhythm going and got the ball to the rim and, were, you know, making the extra pass and creating looks. And uh, they came down and hit a three, tough three, a contested three to take a one-point lead. And then we had five or six uh, possessions uh, to where that ball wasn't moving the same. And and within that, we missed a couple of good looks. You know, and go back and watch the film – uh, we missed a couple threes that were good shots. We missed a couple threes that I didn't like. Uh, we missed a couple shots at the rim. Cam, who had an unbelievable night, uh, you know, missed a couple shots right there in the restricted area. But uh, you know, I just didn't think the possessions were as quality uh, as they were that got us that lead in the second half. And defensively, especially early on, we were scoring pretty much every possession, but we were trading baskets with them. Then when we got uh, the lead. Uh, you know, you hope you continue to do the things that were working. And we were calling the same plays, the same actions on a few of them. The ball did not shift side to side uh, to get back into Cam's hands. So, you know, those are things that we need to be better at. We need to learn from and, and hopefully come out uh, Saturday as a very good Penn State team and, uh, and be better in those areas. Kevin Cross sure gave you a lift
3: in that game, and he was a, a matchup nightmare for Michigan. They had, a, they had a hard time covering him, whether he was putting it on the deck or, or spotting up and hitting some threes. You have to like what you see out of Kevin right now.
6: Yeah, Kevin, uh, you know, the same thing against Wisconsin. He did a really good job. Those teams dropped uh, their bigs. And what Kevin can do with his versatility and his ability to shoot the basketball is it takes that big away from the rim. And you know we've had trouble finishing in there. We're last in the league at finishing in the restricted area right now. And when you can pull a guy like John Teske, who's seven-one, away from the basket, that created some back cut opportunities. Uh, that uh, obviously Kevin uh, got some open looks, and we had the good. We did a good job, especially Thor, of slashing out of that slot position to open up that shot up top, and also open up some of those backdoor um, baskets that we got. So. Yeah, Kevin, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. Unfortunately, he got in foul trouble. I thought that was a big turning point in the game uh, when Kevin uh, picked up his fourth, uh, you know, about 10 or 12 minutes to go in the second half.
3: Yeah, that's when it really kind of started to flip. All right, so that that one was disappointing. I do want to get a, th- a thought or two from you about the Rutgers game on Saturday. I I, I was so impressed with the way your, your team dug deep after being down by double digits on the road. You fought back, had a lead late in the game. Uh, your team is 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 showing themselves to be a bunch of fighters and that was very evident on Saturday in Piscataway.
6: Well we've made huge progress in that area Greg. I was really proud of the guys for going out there in a tough environment a sold out arena uh, which I think is as loud as any that I've certainly played in uh, in this league and they uh, you know that's a team that was 13 and0 going into that game in that building for a reason it's it's a great atmosphere they got a really good team uh, you know they got size, uh, you know, they dominated us physically, I thought, the first time we played earlier in the season in Lincoln. And we just did a really good job of going out there, like you said, and continuing to battle. Uh, you know, had a chance to win at Geo Baker, who had made one-three since he'd been back. Unfortunately, hit the back-to-back ones, and, you know, one was on a key offensive rebound uh, on that last possession. But uh, you know, I, I told our guys if we continue to go out and fight and play with that kind of spirit, that kind of energy, uh, we're going to have a chance most nights. Thor
3: really shot the ball well in that game. He, he didn't He didn't have as good a night last night against Michigan, but uh, he's become one of the better three-point shooters in this conference.
6: Well, teams are really, you know, when you have a guy that's shooting the ball the way Thor is, he's one of the top shooters in the league percentage-wise right now. Uh, you know, that's one of the first things they're going to talk about in their game plan and their preparation is how – Are you going to take away those shots? And, you know, the one thing Rutgers does that really helped on penetration. And, you know, the first time we played and we tried to finish uh, over length, and I thought we did a really good job of getting in there that first half and making the easy play, simple play, the kickouts. When we were successful against Michigan last night, same thing. We made simple basketball plays. Uh, When we try to get, uh, you know, hit the home run or make the fancy play, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. But we made simple plays which open up shots for Thor. Uh, Then we ran a couple plays on crackback-type actions to get him some open looks uh, late in that game. But he and Cam have really developed a good chemistry together, and and those two guys are playing great basketball.
3: All right, you get to stay home this week. Penn State Saturday, you alluded to them earlier. They're having a very good year. Have you had a chance to, to look at any tape on Penn State?
6: Uh, I've watched a little bit. I'm going I'm to watch on the plane uh, when I go recruiting today, uh, you know, really start putting in, uh, you know, how we want to prepare and game plan. What I've seen, uh, watch their game against Michigan. And, you know, obviously my focus was on Michigan because that was the next opponent. But uh, they are really good. They won a game at uh, at Michigan, which is not an easy place to play. Uh, they're playing with a ton of confidence. They're shooting the basketball. Stevens is one of the best players, not only in the league, but in the country. So uh, it's going to be a battle. And, you know, we got to bring our physicality if we want to have a chance.
3: Okay, coming up on our next segment, uh, Bobby Lute's going to join us, a special assistant to you. What's it been like to kind of reconnect with Bobby here in Lincoln?
6: Well, Bobby, you know, when I look back at my career in this business, Bobby was one of the first guys that I hired. It was very important Uh, for me, with no coaching experience when I came to Iowa State, uh, to get somebody that had uh, been in it at a high level and and had a lot of success and had a similar philosophy that I did as far as uh, the way the game should be played. And, you know, to be able to get Bobby Luce, who had just been let go in Charlotte after 12 very successful seasons, eight of those in the postseason, uh, you know, was great to get. He's a uh, fast-paced, up-tempo guy, the way that I wanted to play, uh, and he was great for my early in the early stages of my coaching career, really helping me through uh, a lot of the things that you need to know as a first-time coach in the NCAA. So, uh, yeah, very, uh, very good. He took care of all my scouts. He was very important with those four transfers: Royce White and Chris Allen and Chris Babb, and uh, uh, Anthony Booker, two of which played in the NBA. Uh, as far as running the scout team with those guys every day, and he's just uh, a, a very good guy to run things off of. He's i uh, got great knowledge of the game, and I'm um, glad to be back with him.
3: Very good. Well, travel safe, and uh, best of luck on Saturday against Penn State.
6: Okay, Greg. Thank you.
3: Husker basketball brought to you by your Midwest Ford leaders. Visit them at buyfordnow.com. Welcome back to our Nebraska Basketball Radio Hour here on the Husker Sports Network. Bobby Lute's going to step in now. We thank the head coach for spending some time with us. The life of a coach, right out recruiting, it never stops for you guys, does it?
1: It doesn't, especially, you know, for a head coach. Uh, it's tough during the season uh, because of the the grind of preparing for every game and then having to, you know, we get a day off. So, what do you do? You fly across uh, the country a little bit and find a, find a high school game to watch. That's
3: what it's all about. It is. Before we jump into some X's and O's and the team a little bit, just I, I, I want to ask you about Kobe and, and the tragic loss for him, his family, the other seven people that were aboard that helicopter – there's some shadows that are bigger than others. Kobe has a huge shadow in this sport, doesn't he? Yeah,
1: it really does. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, tragedies happen every day. You know, and, and impact people. Uh, you know, obviously very personally, but he touched a lot of people by being, you know, the role model for a lot of our players and you know, the players a little older, younger than me. You know, mm-hmm. Jordan was the, the, more the, the guy. Bird, Johnson, uh, and and then Michael. But uh, for a lot of these younger guys, it's 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 Kobe and and, you know, uh, not perfect uh, by any means. You know, had some a few issues. But overall, what a great role model and inspiration, uh, you know, for so many people. And it's, uh, you know, for me, being a father of daughters, um, what's even more tragic is the loss of his daughter. And those yeah. other young people. Uh, you know, say what you will, Kobe uh, left an impact, as you said, that will last forever. Got to play his pro days. Don't get me wrong. He had much more to give to the to the world uh, that he will not be able to now. Now, but at least he did get to play in the NBA and share his gift and and impact the world in a huge way. And you know it's tough when when young people die, you know, in such a tragedy as well.
3: I thought it was a very fitting moment before the game last night, and then the way the two teams just let the clock play out. I thought that was really touching. And you heard the crowd; they were chanting yeah. Kobe during yeah. that, yeah,
1: which is great. You know, it's it's as you said, some people impact uh, more than others, and and he certainly uh, has a lasting legacy.
3: This team's in a tough stretch. Um, how how are you handling the locker room right now? How are you guys trying to make sure the the players don't get their heads down too much? What's the and you've been through many seasons like this What's the approach?
1: Well, you know, the, the thing is, coach is the best at it. Fred's as good as I've ever been around. I've, I've been fortunate to be around a, a number of, of really good coaches and had my own teams. And, you know, I'll be honest, I am not. I wasn't as good at handling losing as he is. And, and I mean that in a very complimentary way because the guys, you know, they feel bad enough when you're losing. They don't need you to jump on, on them. And, 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 you know, that you got to have a balance of instructing here. here the correctable mistakes that we've got to do better, guys. You know, we've got to work on this and practice and yet not beat them down. And that's Fred sets the tone for that even right after the game, you know. Uh, you know If the guys don't play as hard as we need to, he calls them out for that. But like the Rutgers game, for example, I mean, we, we did everything but win the game. I mean, we made mistakes, but no one's going to play a perfect game. Got the shots we wanted, just missed them. You know, never blame a guy for taking a good shot, if, you know. You're not going to make them all, and, and so Fred sets the tone with that, and all of us follow that lead in terms of dealing with the players, and uh, again, they're not happy losing, so there's no need to beat them up even more. We've got to stay positive, correct the things that we can correct to improve, and then get ready for the next game.
3: How much progress have you seen in a, a young man like Kevin Cross as this season's unfolding?
1: Yeah, you know, Kevin showed his potential last night offensively as he's done throughout the season. The biggest thing with freshmen, they struggle to be consistent at this level. It's asking a lot. Uh, first of all, he's undersized at his position when he's coming in guarding the opposing center. Um, but offensively, he's he's learned his way, uh, you know, of okay, I can't go in there every time and, and, and score around the basket, but I can pull guys out, uh, shoot the three, drive them, attack their feet uh, because they're bigger and he's a little quicker. Um, and so he's, he's he's made massive strides again, but he hasn't been as consistent as he wants to be or as we want him to be. Uh, but but you see the signs of what he can be and, and, and will be. And we've got, what, 10 more regular season games and then the tournament. Uh, hopefully he will continue to make that improvement.
3: That was a tough chore for both him and Ivan last night. That, that was a huge team you, you faced.
1: Yeah, Teske's, you know, uh, like big. A, like a backstop. But yeah, big. a senior, too. You know, let's yeah. not forget, he's he's 7'1", and, and he's 22 or 23 years old. And, you know, our guys are 17 and 18 years old, not as tall. And, and again, I, that's not making excuses. That's just the reality. We know that. We're, we're not – Asking for pity, uh, but it, but it it, it it is not easy, uh, you know. And then they started a big lineup. We were talking about before my, my, my segment here, you know. Wagner, Wagner, uh, you know, he he's playing the three at a legit six eight and a half, six nine, you know. So that's a, that's a really big. Typical Big Ten team, and um, you know we, we did a good job offensively for about uh, what th- uh, 26 27 minutes. We scored the ball. We took the mm-hmm. lead, fifty three, fifty two, with like thirteen something to go. Um, you know, and then we just we hit the wall. Didn't quite th- get the shots that we were getting, and you got to credit them a little bit for, for applying that pressure.
3: Yeah. So Couple segments with us. We heard from the head coach earlier. He's out recruiting tonight, uh, but wanted to be a part of the show as well. And so Ben McLaughlin joins me next. I get, I just, I could sit and talk to Coach Lutz for hours. And I know you had a great time when you were in Italy, just kind of hanging around he and his wife.
4: Oh yeah, his his wife is a riot. Just a really fun lady to be around, and they're just fun people to talk to. You know, Bobby's been around the block a time or two, and just, you know, he's a guy that just knows basketball. So it's it's just fun to. You know hear him talk about the sport and you know coming from where he you know his background at charlotte and being around the state of north carolina a whole bunch to get i haven't been around very many people that are around that part that part of the country and so you know to talk about i mean last time he was in here with me you know talking about his experiences in the acc and you know i was kind of talking to him about some play, some arenas in the big 10 at that point he hadn't been to a whole lot of them but you know, then hearing him talk about, you know, going to Charlottesville and playing in Virginia, going to Chapel Hill, and playing in North Carolina. You know, it's it's kind of cool getting getting a different perspective from a different part of the country.
3: Well, to wrap up this show, you had a chance earlier today to sit down and talk with Charlie Easley, who you got to see firsthand when you were on that Italy trip this summer where he led the team in one of the games. Now he's got a scholarship. Yeah, really
4: a, a fun young guy to be around. Um, you know, just a great teammate, uh, he puts his 100% into everything and has obviously done enough to uh, have an impact with the team so far this year in his freshman season. And earlier today, after one of his classes, I was able to ask Charlie what it's been like so far, Get dipping his toe in what Big Ten and college basketball has been all about.
7: I mean, it's definitely been a dream come true. I mean, it's everything that I've worked for. And I mean, it's been a quite an experience so far. And I'm just trying to keep, work hard, do my best every game, every practice. And the rest will take care of itself. How much have you had to adapt, just your your mindset day to day of what
4: of what being a college basketball player at this level is like? You know, just things like prep, prepping, watching film, getting ready for a game, going to class, taking care of your body,
7: watching film. You know, all these things that maybe you didn't have to do in high school that it's required at this level. Yeah well there's definitely a bigger mental aspect that goes into preparing for games and stuff and looking at film and all the plays that you have to kind of read on the court and kind of see it in film and you just go based off that and it's definitely been a uh, another step forward for me in doing all that and keeping track of just how my body's feeling and getting the treatment I need and yeah it's kind of it's been a lot. It's been really cool watching you already
4: Um, just kind of take take that step of going from walk on to not even just in the rotation but a guy that's playing significant minutes and, and earning a scholarship it takes a, a long time typically for this to happen sometimes four years you've kind of had it happen in a few short months have you ever had time to just kind of reflect on how far you've come really just you know a
7: semester into your college career um I mean there's definitely a kind of going really fast, but I've definitely had some time just to realize how special it has been for me to have all this happen this soon. Because going into it mentally, I mean, I knew it might have been a long run. I mean, just kind of getting like where I wanted to be. But for it to happen like this is, I mean, everything I could ask for. And I just I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm going to keep working. And I mean, I've gotten this far, but it doesn't mean anything. I just got to keep working. Let's go to the beginning. What was the, the, the feeling for you first getting on
4: campus and, you know, rebuilding this thing, this this entire team, you know, building this team in I think it was twenty seven days or something, just being here every day and, you know, following the news and finding out how your new teammates are gonna be and how you guys are gonna mesh together. What was that process like for you, just
7: you know, taking a step back and watching this thing come together? Um, well it was just I mean, I just had to kinda of let it happen. I mean, couldn't think about it too much. I mean, I didn't know really how any of them really played. I knew it was going to kind of be a process to kind of get everybody to play together. But all you can really do, or all I could do at the time, is just kind of focus on myself and get myself prepared for what I needed to do. Then obviously, you guys start practice. for You know you get a little
4: time before we went overseas to Italy. But when you were actually on the floor when the team was assembled, when was the moment that you're like, man, I can, I can compete. You know, This is something that if I work hard enough, then
7: I can crack the rotation. I can play with these guys uh i mean just going through the practices in the summer i could i could kind of tell i was i i felt like i could play i've i mean i've always kind of felt like i could play with the i mean this conference or just d1 in general and yeah, just being at practice, doing little things, drills, and just kind of the mental aspect. I felt like I could play. And then having a head coach that believes in you, I'm sure, is is something that helps too. With Coach Hoiberg and sending his his
4: boys to Pius, you kind of have, yeah. you know, that that little connection there. What what was your first conversations like with him um, about his role, his vision for you, how you could help the team, and
7: you know, really what he wanted out of you this year? Um, well, he just always told me just. Just do the right thing every time. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep giving effort, challenging people in practice and never never lacking in effort. and those are kind of the things that you can do that will help a team no matter what. Winning a state championship at Pius
4: and then you know playing in that, that arena to actually coming here and having that be your home arena. W- w- what was that like? you know, just getting dressed in that locker room for the first time knowing
7: that you know just a short year ago that this was like a dream come true to just play in that arena once. Yeah, it was definitely surreal. I mean, looking back on it, just, I mean, that was a dream to put on a Husker jersey and to be able to go out and play in front of all these people in my hometown and just kind of trying to help the Nebraska team win. It's really been a dream come true. What did you think of the Italy trip? It was really it was really funny. Um, you know that last game in particular. I was sitting in
4: behind your grandparents and you know to have them there was yeah. was really cool but just all that whole experience, you know, a life experience being with a new coach, being with all your new teammates and and playing basketball at
7: the same time. When you look back at that a few months later, what what do you remember about it? Oh, I mean just all the sights we got to see, I mean all the places we got to play and go. I mean, I never would have imagined I would be there playing basketball and it's just a I mean, crazy where basketball can take you, and I'm so glad that my grandparents were there with me, and glad I could have a good game when they were watching. So that was a good part of it too. So yeah, that was just awesome. I'm never gonna forget that trip. Okay, okay let's kind of bring it to the present tense now. I know you know the loss, the losses are piling up, and
3: the
4: the, the results aren't where you're at. But you guys are just still playing your butts off yeah. all the time. How do you continue that, Charlie? I mean, it, it's so easy for for the losses to just kind of weigh on you and have it affect your effort but it hasn't with this team. How what what's keeping this team going and how are
7: you guys able to do that every single night? I think it's the fact that we know that we can hang with some good teams and we've proven that we can beat good teams, but it's just just kind of little lapses of not scoring and them going on a run that's really killing us and but we know that we can hang with anybody at times. So I think that that in our mind is kind of kind of keeping us going and the coaches are doing a good job of reinforcing just confidence in us and at the end of the day I mean I mean you can go on a losing streak now but you just got to be playing your best ball at the end of the year you guys look like you have a lot of fun
4: together the team I mean you guys are always joking around always smiling it seems like you guys get along really well and you haven't even really been together that long how much does that stuff off the floor help you in, in these times you
7: know just just enjoying being around each other it definitely helps a lot I mean to be closer together is what a uh, a team always needs i mean the good teams are going to be the best friends on and off the court and that's just how it is and to be i mean good friends with a lot of the guys and it's just a real blessing. I think it's really is going to help us in the end. I mean, it might not seem like that right now, but I mean, we're still staying together, which is good. What's what's practices like? Because you got three pretty good players
4: on the scout team that are giving you guys good looks every time. But when you're going against guys like Delano, and I know you're probably still still over there too on the scout team bouncing back and forth, but you got Delano and Derek and Shamil uh, just going against those guys in practice. What what, what does that do for the team just in terms of
7: preparation? Uh, Definitely helps us a lot. I mean, those are three. I mean, those three guys I mean they they definitely can play and they challenge us every day and it's just good to get a look it's kind of like a game look with them playing because they're really good players and they definitely challenge us in practice Penn State next obviously a very physical team yeah.
4: team that's you know not not too dissimilar to Nebraska in terms of what they had to rebuild and you know what what this could potentially turn into a nationally ranked team I know you guys had the day off today but what, what do you know about them what type of challenge they're gonna bring to PBA on Saturday
7: Oh yeah, I know they're a super physical team, a lot of talented guys and I mean they're doing pretty good in the Big 10. I think they're 4 and 4 right now. So, I mean if you can win 4 games in the Big 10, then you can play. So, we're going to have to we're going to have a good scout, the coach are going to get us ready, but we're going to be have to be ready to play. Now that this is all Kind of happening to you. You're doing an interview. You got your Husker gear
4: on. You're, you know, playing at PBA. What, what's it feel like to live this dream out? You know, you're finally getting your taste of everything that, you know, that you've been working for for your entire life. It's kind of playing
7: out right now. Now that it's finally here and happening in front of you, what, what's it feel like? Just gotta, just gotta stay in the moment. I mean, it feels good, but, I mean, I'm not satisfied. I mean, I'm always looking to get better, and that's what I'm gonna keep trying to do. And it's my freshman year, and. I have a long ways to go and a long ways to improve. So, Charlie, appreciate you sitting down with us, man. Keep that body healthy. Let's go get one on Saturday. Appreciate it.
0: It's time to buy or sell. Buy, sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's. Your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made from scratch sides, and award-winning desserts famous Daves, we do catering right now here's the hosts of buy or sell brett Whitty, Sold. and tim curran
2: that's right. it's a very special edition of buy sell because we have reached the end of season 12 so this is uh get excited we do have a winner we have certificates printed out which our lovely assistant brett will run in during the studio <laughs> As I'm giving out the totals.
8: I, I like the lovely, the, the lovely <laughs> assistant. The lo- uh, wow, will, that- Vanna White! Was yeah, Vanna White in the building. Yeah. Although, uh,
2: if we were a game show, we'd probably be more like Who's Lions anyway, where the points don't matter and all that. So, uh, sometimes <laughs> I feel that way. But uh, anyway, uh, well, gentlemen, if you are ready, we will jump in with the answers. So, so ready, Tim. Okay, I'm glad you are. Uh, this one was an NFL future question. It was asked way back in August 28th of last year. By ourselves, that the Indianapolis Colts quarterbacks would throw for at least 26 touchdowns in the regular season. Well, the answer was a sell. It was only 22 from Jacoby Brissett. Greg and Ben, you both sold it, though. Pessimistic on the Colts and got it right. Sorry, yeah. Austin, wherever he <laughs> is. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about the Colts, too, that I'm
4: not sure we knew at the time was just how much they loved to run the ball with that offensive line. I mean, with Andrew Luck, it was masked a little bit because he was so good, but, I mean... They had no intention of throwing against Kansas City, and they didn't need to Nope. that night.
8: All right. uh, Another future question that was asked back on November 13th, NFL future by our sell that the winner of the Packers 49ers game would reach the NFC championship. Uh, We nailed that one. It was a buy. The 49ers won that game 37-8 and reached the NFC title game. Greg, you bought that and got it right, Ben. You were incorrect with the sell. Hmm. When was that asked? That was asked on November 13th. Okay, so yeah. I think, were they, were they were they Sunday night or Monday night, I think? Yeah, it was one of those. Yeah. One of those prime games.
2: Well, there you have it. I uh, got a Husker women's basketball question. Buy or sell that Nebraska would average at least 72 points through their first seven Big Ten games. Well, the answer ended up being a sell. They averaged 70.4, so not off by much, but still off. Greg and Ben both doubted the Huskers, but they got it right with the sell.
3: Uh, that's a lot. I mean, that's a pretty good line. Yeah, from you guys. that's a lot of points, though. Yep.
8: All right. Uh, college football answer by ourselves that there would be at least 2,350 points scored in the 40 bowl games and the national championship game combined. That ended up just being a sell, really close here. It ended up being 2,321 total points. So just uh 29 points short wow. there uh, you guys both bought that though and both got it incorrect
4: that's crazy yeah you have know, twenty
8: nine points that's one, less one than a point basically. a game yeah
2: less than one point per wow. game jeez yeah
3: congratulations <laughs> boys on that
2: what was the that's w- how the cookie crumbles here on buy sell what was the around.
8: one bowl game that like where they scored like six points or something and we knew that was the one that was going to get us there, there's always
2: one of
4: those yeah
8: there is yeah i remember
2: all right, got another college football one. Byers ourselves that a Power Five conference would win 85% or more of their bowl games, uh, excluding the national championship. That answer was a sell. The best was the SEC at 77%. Uh, they needed either Auburn or Mississippi State to win. Uh, but Greg and Ben both correct with the sell. Hmm. 85 was pretty that's, ambitious.
4: That, that's yep. yeah. Well, and then you, well, because you did the math, right? You know, seven teams. That was you know six of the seven or whatever. It, it, it was just mm. hard to. Most, if you have enough teams in there for the, to reach that percentage, most of the time you're going to be pretty close to 500.
2: Yeah, and 77. I mean, that's that's pretty dang good. Although I yeah. I have a bone to pick with the SEC because if you play the sisters of the poor in the middle of the season, everyone's going to get to a bowl game, so they have more opportunities to take a crack at it. So not Tim, super a little shocking. Little
3: SEC hating going on. <laughs> wow.
4: I'm just playing I, to I, our I audience, Tim was you know. Pro pro all big time sports teams. So like you know. Patriots, and Yeah,
8: big, <laughs> big <laughs> bandwagon. A big, yeah, roll, roll tide back here all the Yankees. way. You know me. <laughs> um, it is where it is. All right, one last college football answer by ourselves, that the quarterbacks of the national champion team would total at least 800 offensive yards in the semis and national championship game. That ended up being a bye. Joe Burrow was the, the lone quarterback of the national championship team. He had 1,035 uh, <laughs> offensive yards quite quite a bit over the 800 that we set. Uh, you guys both sold that and we're both incorrect.
4: Man, I mean it, you talk about a dude that just like put every preconceived notion of defense wins championships and like, you know the idea of putting that many points and yards on the board and you're in the stat column and, and meaningful games, like he just put all that to shame yeah.
8: this year. That yeah. semifinal was insane. It's true. All right, uh, I got
2: an NFL one for you guys. By yourself, so that the sum of the seeds in the Super Bowl would be five or higher. So just combining the seeds of the two teams. The answer was a sell. The Chiefs are the two seed, the 49ers, the one seed. So if I do my math correctly, that would uh, be a total of three. Great, correct with the sell. Ben, wrong with the buy. Who'd you think? Seattle, maybe? So maybe thinking yeah. Seattle? Hmm. That's ambitious, Ben. Interesting.
3: Because you probably thought Chiefs are. Ravens, right from the AFC. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Titans almost threw.
3: A I, would not, I, I would not. I would not have assumed at
4: that point. I wouldn't have assumed the Titans or the no. Texans or anybody Packers. would have made it. Packers? No, I was no. off the Packers. No. Yeah, you, I'm pretty sure it was Seattle. You said Seattle, the
8: Seahawks were going to beat the Packers. I'm pretty sure. Because what
4: was Seattle? They were like the. Were they the four? No, because they were in the same division. They were five or six. Yeah, man. they
8: were. They were in the five. I, I had
4: to. I had to have been on the Seattle. I, and I I do. Re, re, you know, remember being high on Seattle.
8: Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, one last NFL uh, answer here by ourselves that a team would win a playoff game by at least thirty-four points, or a game would be decided by one point. Uh, that included all rounds except for the Super Bowl. That ended up being a sell. 20 points was the biggest win, and the closest game was three points. Uh, you guys both sold that and were both correct.
3: little surprised you didn't have a one point finish, but. True. Yeah.
2: Well, we do have a tiebreaker one. It wasn't actually it wasn't necessary, needed, but, yeah. but I guess just to, just to scratch the oligos. Buyers of the total net offensive yards in the College Football National Championship game, um, or rather, it wasn't really a buy sell, it's more of just set the over under. Um, the answer ended up being 1,022 for the total net off the yards. Wow. Greg, you are at 930. Uh, you you got that right. Ben, you took the under got it wrong. Uh, but, again, it was not, not necessary. Our champion, ready for the drum roll, please. Oh, here
3: comes Brett.
2: Here comes Brett. He's got the certificates ready. Uh, Greg, you are our winner oh, of season come 12. Come from
3: behind. You were ahead
2: like the last four weeks. No,
3: you've been ahead the whole season.
2: What was the final total? So, Greg this week was 6 of 8. Ben, you were 4 of 8. So, on the season, Greg was 46 of 82 for 56%. Ben, 43 of 82 for 52.4. So, the narrowest of margins. Narrowest of margins. I won by 3. Yeah.
3: yeah. And I was ahead by – and I won this week by 2. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. I think up until – the end of the season, you had a big lead early. Oh, I had a big lead
4: early, early, but I, there was one week you a where you perfect week. You made up like six on me in one you week. You had a yeah.
3: week where you got eleven right out of ten.
8: <laughs> oh yeah, right? <laughs> no, I think that was, was last it? season. Wasn't that the no? That was the first week of this season. Yeah, was it? I'm sure. Was it? Yeah. We, were, we went back and answered
3: some questions yeah. from the spring, and you had like eleven right in <laughs> a week. We asked ten questions. Yep. Yeah. This <laughs> well, this is the most satisfying win I've ever had, right here. It's, it's, a, it's from from a good behind.
4: win. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad to have given that moment to you it's here on Solid S- night. Greg
2: is night. Greg is still perched at the top, and even in the uh, overall season one through twelve totals, one <laughs> thousand two hundred fifteen of two thousand one hundred twenty two <laughs> oh at fifty seven percent. Ben trailing one thousand one hundred eighty eight point five of two thousand one hundred twenty two. That's fifty six percent. So there you go.
4: Great. Yeah, how
2: was Brett's buy sell
4: season? Hey,
8: we don't we don't need to talk about. That. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, Brett. Uh, uh, hey, it, hey! It's, I broke fifty, so let's let's all we need to say. He's had better efforts. <laughs> That's All I we need to say. I broke but fifty. Hopefully that hopefully that the, the
2: weight of the crown does not doesn't strain Greg's neck. It's a big big burden to carry there. Yeah, it um, is. Um, but we will jump into this week's questions. Starting off with Husker men's basketball buy or sell that Nebraska beats a ranked team um, that has to be at the time of the game. Uh, by at least five points the remainder of the regular season. Well, they're going to have a
3: chance Saturday with Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, they're ranked 24th right now, so they'll have a chance to do that. So they need to beat a ranked team by more than five points. Mm-hmm. Right. Who else we got? Michigan State. That'd be tough. Yep. Um, and At Iowa tough what else we have this is Maryland I believe the Maryland ranked well. that's on the road Maryland's on the yeah that's road, a
2: Tuesday yeah, night yeah. one right there So if
3: it's gonna happen
2: Illinois is also ranked I now is this d-
3: does this include the Big Ten tournament or just regular season uh, I, it's regular season so regular. just the remainder of the regular season so it's, if it's gonna happen it <laughs> needs to happen Saturday uh, I'm gonna sell it all
6: right
2: no no hope for Greg <laughs> Selling.
8: Yeah. Um,
4: I'm just trying to think of how we're going to match up with Lamar Stevens. I. He's torched us in recent yeah. years. Mm-hmm. This team continues to surprise us.
2: I'll I'll buy it. You're going to buy
4: it? Oh, there we All go. Right.
8: The quick switch there. Ben
2: buying in to the Husker hype train. Wait, what? So r- – r- Beat a ranked team by five
8: points or it, more. Yeah. Five points or more, yeah. All right. So there's a little variable there. There you go. Uh, moving on to the women's side of things by herself, that Kate Kane blocks five or more shots in either one of her next two games. Those coming at Minnesota and then at home against Ohio State. How many? Five? Five shots yep. or yeah. more. She just needs five in one game. Oh. Yeah, not combined. Not She'll combined. get five go- in the first quarter. Go first tomorrow, and who's the next one for them? Oh, uh, at home against Ohio State.
3: She's been good. Five she
8: did have eight times. in one game earlier this year, I'm pretty sure. She's a block machine. She is definitely. Has she broken the record yet? Um, She's very close. I
3: don't think so.
4: I'm going to sell it. All right. All right, Ben. Just doubting. <laughs>
8: Tim just – well, <laughs> <just>, Okay, okay <laughs> buy put some bulletin boards. 1,500
2: points in
4: a game. Am <laughs> um, doubt. And then?
8: Tim wants you guys to homer it's a high line, it's day. a <laughs> high line. Put the, the bulletin
3: board material in the locker room already. Tim, He's just ben, mad. Just you've, made it kind of, you've worked the Patriots <laughs> cut in on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Still trying yeah. – yeah. Should be over that by
3: just, now. Just I'm, just I'm festering on that. T- Tim, ben. you
2: tired of watching the Chiefs in the playoffs yet? I won't be tired when I watch them get dismantled. We'll see. You've been saying that for weeks. Oh, well, the 49ers – I'm already watch the former Brady protege. Yeah, Jimmy you're, you're G watching go to work.
8: the quarterback that your team traded away. It's go. true.
3: I'm not super happy about it, but yeah. you know, it's fine. I, I'm with Ben. I'm going to sell it. I think Five's just a little too aggressive. All right.
2: Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, we got a Super Bowl one. Speak of the devil. Buy or sell that the Super Bowl will be decided by three points or fewer, or at least 18 points. So either a blowout or a close nail biter. Blowout 49ers is just the
8: the lean. Three sure. or less, <laughs> three or less. Yeah,
2: buy it. I'm buying.
8: Wow. All right. So you guys are, are you're saying both close or you're co- yeah, both close predicting game. a 49ers yeah. blowout? Right. Wow, I'm not. Incredible. I'm not Trent Dilfer. <laughs> Trent
2: Dilfer. Yeah, take it take it from Trent Dilfer. Uh, he knows he knows what he's talking about.
8: Yeah. All right. Another another Super Bowl. Actually, a uh, quite a few more Super Bowl questions here by ourselves that the Chiefs score the first points in the Super Bowl.
4: I got no reason yeah, not this. buy this one, except for the fact that they haven't scored first like any game Gold in the playoffs. playoffs. Um, More of a prop. Yeah, we're playing from
3: behind again. I'm going to sell it.
8: All right.
3: Just to be different, I'll buy, but I wanted to sell. But I'll, I'll, right. I'll get on one on the other side of the ledger here.
2: All right, I uh, got another Super Bowl one buyer. So that Patrick Mahomes throws at least one INT in the Super Bowl. <sighs> Probably good for at least three. Uh, Yeah, you (laughs) know.
3: Yeah, I'll buy that. I could see him making a mistake in this game. He's thrown so many in the playoffs already. (laughs) He's thrown so many in his first two seasons as a starter, right? I mean, just been picked picked crazy. Just giving it away. That touchdown interception ratio is not acceptable.
8: Uh -uh. It's true. Tim, what's it going to be like when Tom Brady is on a different team? I'm going to
3: cry. He's going to be in the Chargers. I told. Not, I told Tim this yeah. day He's going to be the starting quarterback for the Chargers. Next I'm not year. talking to anybody
2: for a week if that happens. Go that buy I'm your saying.
3: Chargers gear, Tim. <laughs> there you go. Got a stub.
2: You better believe, believe it. I hope they move to London. <laughs> Tim, what's going to happen? Are, are you going to be? Are you? Are you going to be both a a Chargers fan and a? Are you still going to be a Patriots fan?
4: Yeah, yeah. No, I'll
2: gone. be a Patriots fan. I mean, look, I, I love me Tom Brady, but you know, <laughs> I can't. I can't just jump from <laughs> ship to ship. Go it uh, what, what are we at here? What's, what's Where, the situation? Uh, uh, d- uh, <laughs> does
8: Patrick Mahomes throw at least ben, one interception? Ben's just
2: trying to craft his comeback. He can't even focus on buy-sell. <laughs> no.
8: No no, no interception. No interception. Okay. All right. All right. That's a sell right there. All right. Sticking with the Super Bowl by our This is a good one, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Thanks for Thanks. <laughs> by our sell that the Super Bowl winning coach will have red Gatorade poured on him at the end of the game. I feel like the
4: last few years, it's been a really obscure color, mm-hmm. like a um, like clear and green, like yeah. colors that Gatorade like isn't typical. It's like
8: lime green and yellow. Yeah, so nobody I'm going to sell it.
4: I, I, it's not going to be red. Red's too cliche. Okay.
2: Both teams' colors are red, though. Yeah. I buy. There
4: you Bye. go. All the right.
8: cheese probably throw
2: like switch out some yellow. I bet you they could do that. Too. See,
8: I, I have my my theory is that they are going to drink all of the red Gatorade during the game because that's the best flavor, and they're not going to drink the yellow. Red is not the best
4: flavor. Fruit <laughs> punch <laughs> is
8: the best. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Okay, what's your color then? Anything
4: but red. Red tastes like cough syrup. Oh my gosh. Wow, we're gonna have to talk about throw this down. Out the There's end. a riff. Give me glacier freeze. <laughs> give me lemon Lime. I, I give me knew cool you blue. blue Give me Riptide yep, rush. You're a blue guy. Give me yep. fierce
8: grape. Hey, you know, there's a blue. There's blue guys and there's red guys. I, I get it. I don't know about
3: that take right there, boys. I that's, don't
8: like it. Yeah,
2: well, that's that's a little. All right, we'll have to move on. to we'll handle that Separate later. those two. I yeah. uh, got a Super Bowl and golf combo question. Uh, <laughs> Phoenix Open. <laughs> by, by, yeah, buyer so that Patrick Mahomes will have at least 10 more passing yards in the Super Bowl than Tiger Woods has strokes in the 2020 <laughs> Masters.
3: Oh, okay. The yeah. Masters? the oh, Masters? Masters. I was thinking, fe- re- okay, re-
2: redo the question. So, yeah, here we go. We got buy or sell that, that Patty Holmes, yeah. the, the prince who was promised. will have at least 10 more passing yards in the Super Bowl than Tiger Woods has strokes in the 2020 Masters. What's, like, an, an average score? 270. R
3: 72, yep. so 144. 288 is even par. If 11 he, under, you're saying? What if he so misses he's the like cut? like 277. It's a possibility. What if he doesn't make
2: the cut? Pulls out due to injury. Well, I'm, sh- I'm sure if he doesn't make the cut, then we'll, it's you're
3: just, you're just assuming he'll make the cut if you want to buy it, basically. Or yeah. what if he doesn't play? So Pat Mahomes has <laughs> 10 more yards and Tiger has strokes. Yeah, Yes. at least 10. Yeah. 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 I'm buying
8: that. Right. I'm buying that, too. Big thighs. All right, I'm, wait, if I'm he waiting. This is a cut.
2: You got it easily. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for Patrick Mahomes to yeah. lay an egg here. I'm at like 17 yards. You've been fast. waiting for a few weeks, haven't you, buddy? <laughs> 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 I need. Mean, look, it, it's not about. It's as long as it collapses on Sunday. How about that leg he ate on that 30-yard touchdown run on the sideline right before halftime? Right. Huge egg. I'm gonna like Facetime you at halftime <laughs> when the 49ers win by think 40. You, you think I'd be dumb <laughs> enough to answer that phone call? <laughs> oh, oh, <gosh. laughs> it would just give me joy if you just see you declined it. That, that's all I need. <laughs> It's all I'd need. Get me. Oh, Tim's calling me. Here. I better answer it. It could be important. <laughs> hey hey, mute the Super Bowl that the Chiefs are playing in guys. I'm getting Tim's
8: FaceTiming me. <laughs>
2: Work
4: yeah. I,
8: I would expect nothing less, Ben. That's that's what I would expect out of you. Alright, just a, just a few more <laughs> questions here. Well this one coming from college basketball by ourselves that there are at least two upsets of top twenty five teams on Saturday.
4: Uh yeah, I'm buying it. Just every week there are. <laughs> yeah, true. I don't even look at, need to look at the schedule. It's going to happen. All right. Okay. Just for grins, how many teams
3: are playing Saturday? Tim's got dandy. that
8: information just off the top of his head. No, I got it right here, actually. Because, you know, a skin. lot of
3: Big Ten games are Sunday. All so we got them? top 25
2: games. Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, oh, yeah. 16, 17. Oh, yeah. 18, 19, 1920, 21, yeah, like 20, oh, yeah. 21, 22, 21
3: of the 25, and some of them are probably playing each other.
2: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's quite a bit. By two upsets for sure. <laughs> Any more brain busters? <laughs> I was Too ready. More. I was ready to spring into action. Don't worry about it. I would. I would have bought it if there was like six. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we got
4: the entire slate. Go All right, on. I'm gonna let's call our shots then, since this question's a joke. Okay.
5: <laughs> oh, no. Whoa. 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 Whoa!
2: Oh. All right, Ben. Ben's, <laughs> Ben's not, just laying his cards on the table. Not holding
3: back. Hey, par- could some of this be explained because Josh isn't here today? Oh, Josh made the questions. <laughs> he did.
8: The, yeah, the person that made the questions also happened to have a, a child. He day. did. We, yeah. And I
3: need to congratulate Josh yep. and Victoria. Yeah. They gave birth today to Franklin Joshua. Yeah, one thirty-eight this afternoon. Big baby, eight pounds thirteen ounces. The unit twenty-one inches long. So congratulations.
8: Congrats to Josh. Josh
2: and Victoria. Congrats. That's fantastic. And the first thing they're probably they're probably huddled around the radio right now listening. <laughs> they're
8: probably wondering why you just they're, said this. They're just trot- question. That Ben <laughs> is just
2: trashing. Their all seasons. right. All right. Here's here's one of my one of my picks. <laughs> right. Michigan at
4: home over Rutgers. Okay. Right. Yeah, you can see that. That's yeah, that's fair. And Auburn at home over Kentucky.
2: Alright. Hey, hey. those aren't those aren't two. That's not that David. Auburn's upset, not playing very well. One
4: of them's ranked lower sure, than the other. Yeah,
8: you're right. Yeah. Okay. But, but Auburn's d-
2: tired of
4: hearing it. They need a big win, and that could be it. Those are my two picks.
2: Shall we move on to
8: some? I, what, Greg gets
4: oh, a chance. Bonus points hey, or what? Guys, well, we'll, we'll, let, we'll right give here. Ben yeah,
2: moral victory points, which it, is it, different than bonus it. points. Feel good points. Feel good points. Yeah. Participation. Participation trophy points.
3: Well, you got one loss right there with Kentucky-Auburn both ranked. So, there's one of your two in the – I thought it was just upset. You need an
8: upset, yeah. So, just a lower, lower, lower seed over a higher okay. rank, yeah. Um, you see Bruce I Pearl's will go shot,
3: USC yeah. over Colorado. That was the other one I was thinking. All right. Okay. And um, Nebraska over Penn State. Hey, hey. Boom. I got it.
2: There we go. Got a tennis question right in the wheelhouse for you, gentlemen. Buy or sell that the men's and women's championship matches in the Australian Open will last a combined five hours and fifteen minutes or longer.
8: This is Ben's wheelhouse. I
4: love
2: tennis questions. The men's, and women's, men's. Men and women's finals. Men and women. Men and women. Yeah. Last how long? Five hours and fifteen minutes. Uh huh. Bye. I I just know everything about tennis. Yeah. Real, real racket head back there. Um. Is that what they call them? Oh yeah. All
8: right. Tim says so.
2: I don't even know.
4: Like, <laughs> uh, I, Serena got beat, right? Rafa got beat last Fine. night. Really? So there's a chance that someone really good plays somebody not so good? Well, you still could have Djokovic and Federer in though, the finals. And that would shoot. That could go four hours. Mm-hmm. Where are we at? Semifinals? Yeah, nice. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So they each have to win one more match mm-hmm. to get there. Yes. Yes. How long does a five-setter take? Quite a while. Three and a half, four hours.
8: Yeah. If you get a five-setter in so the that means I would need a, th- would shorter, need a
4: three-setter in like an hour 15. That doesn't seem doable. Apparently um, not. I'll be different, though. I'll. So? This is not the question to be different on, but
8: I'll sell it. All right. It's a sell. All right. And wrapping up uh, this week's questions with a little Husker baseball, Husker softball combo by our sell that either Husker baseball or softball will play an extra innings game in their first weekend of the season. Softball plays in New Mexico. Baseball is at Baylor.
3: Women play five games that weekend. Nope. Sell. Sell. So, Bye-bye. Softball. we will go eight innings in one game. All right, that'll
2: do it. That's a, it. another start to a legendary bicycle yeah. season. <laughs> well done. And again,
3: congrats to Josh. Way to we'll go, Josh. In. First time Papa. earlier today. When we come back, we'll talk some Husker women's gym. Heather Brink will join us next. We're back on a Wednesday night sports highlight here on the Husker Sports Network. Again, tomorrow night's short show. Only about 40 minutes to get you ready for Husker women's basketball. They're in the Twin Cities ready to take on the Golden Gophers. Minnesota tomorrow night. at Cody, Jeff Greesh will have the call of that game tomorrow night. Michigan State, an easy winner earlier today in Big Ten men's play. They beat Northwestern, and at the half, it's tied Penn State and Indiana. Should be a good second half in State College for that. Also tomorrow night, Husker Women's Gymnastics will be home at the Devaney Center to take on eighth-ranked Michigan. and delighted to be joined by Husker Women's coach Heather Brink.
9: Hey, Coach. How are you? How are you doing tonight? Good. I'm doing great. How about you?
3: Fantastic. Uh, man, you really put up a big number at Michigan State on Sunday. You must have hit a bunch of routines against the Spartans.
9: Yeah, the girls really put up some uh, routines, nailed their landings. Um, the score showed it. Uh, definitely uh, the direction that they're capable of, of doing, and I think we've got a little bit more in our tank. Uh, looking forward to to showing that tomorrow night.
3: I was out and saw you compete against Penn State a couple of weeks ago and I I know it was a frustrating night there on the beam the beam really yeah. g- but but you you bounced back and you were so good on the floor that you're able to yeah. overcome that and beat them that night.
9: Yeah, I was so proud of the the team and their ability to come together um, and really not you know not give up. They fought to the end of that competition. I mean the meet's not over until the last person goes. Um, and they really showed some heart that night. I think it showed their character um, that nothing's going to stop in their way. Uh, um, and, and they really proved it. So not, not our best meet by far, but, uh, but they, they pulled it together, came out with the win, uh, and, and came back into the gym with you know, renewed focus and, and showed what they're capable of at Michigan State the next weekend.
3: Addie Jesus has certainly gotten off to a good start. I know she won the all-around that night. I think she did really well at, in East Lansing as well. What kind of progress are you yes. seeing from her?
9: Yeah, she's really stepping up as, you know, kind of a leader on our on our team. Uh, she, she has worked really hard over the uh, preseason and the summer. She's upgraded some things, uh, really kind of perfecting, her gymnastics and uh, really kind of coming into her own as a leader on the team, building on her confidence and, and what she can deliver last year, she only competed vault bars and floor for us. uh, And this year has, has added balance beam to, to that. And, and not only just competing balance beam, but as our leadoff on beam, Um, very proud of, of what she's done, the growth that she, you know, has made this year um, and she's only a sophomore. So I'm sure this year will be a good one for her. Based on her work ethic and and just looking forward to you know being able to have her around for a few more years,
3: Coach. A name that I'm I'm not overly familiar with on your team is Megan Versulas, Versa- and she yeah well, she had a great beam for you at, at Michigan State. Oh, yeah. tell me about her a little bit. Yeah,
9: yeah. Megan Versalis Carr is from uh, California, and uh, she's a junior on our program. Uh, really kind of stepped into to competing for us last year was in and out of balance beam, you know, just some consistency things. And, and, um, again, worked really hard here. This, this last, uh, preseason developed into, you know, a competent beam person and, and really has been able to, um, deliver that. It was really fun to watch her hit that routine, um, the score to show her and reward her for, for that hard work she put in, you know, um, you kind of show up at the meets just to collect the rewards for the hard work you put in before it. So um, that was that was a lot of fun to see her be able to uh, capitalize on that and, and just continue to build her confidence.
3: We're visiting with Nebraska women's gymnastics coach Heather Brink, the Huskers' home tomorrow night at 6 o'clock at the Vanny Center against eighth-ranked Michigan. Boy, this has turned into a pretty good little rivalry. Um, (laughs) I I, I know you want to treat every duel as the same but there's got to be a little bit more anxiety and and a a little more sweat in the palms when you face Michigan
9: yeah we were going through some stats earlier this week and I think in the last decade it's um, been either Michigan or us that that has won uh, the Big Ten Championships so um, there's definitely a little bit of a rivalry competition Michigan is a great team they've got some great athletes I obviously respect um, their coaching staff and Bev Plotky. Um and, and you know, I think what's cool is when you get two teams that are you know rivals like that and and um, you know competing for the same thing. It really kind of pulls out the best of each team. So, looking forward to a great competition and um our girls putting up, you know, and and being able to deliver on what they're capable of doing.
3: Well you're gonna start on vault and, and Tater Houchin has been as about as good as there is in the country and <laughs> she's just been dynamite for you on that on that event.
9: Yeah, yeah. I mean she's uh come so close, you know, like a little a little bit from uh from that ten oh nine nine seven five. So looking forward to her um, you know, ability to, to kind of re deliver that vault and and hopefully she'll she'll get that 10-0 that she deserves. And um, yeah, I mean we've got a, a pretty stacked lineup on vault. I've got uh, three one and a half, your Chinko one and a half, which are a 10-0 start value. Um, and then we've got three your Chinko um, and and possibly even a fourth your Chinko one and a half coming in. So yeah, I think that puts us a little bit ahead of the game. Not all teams have that many 10-0 start values, and when you add that up over four. You know, four vaults, that's two-tenths of a point just in the start value. So um, they did a really great job this last weekend. Anika, Anika Diakovich and Addie DeJesus nailed their vault. Taylor followed up with a fantastic vault. So just, again, continuing to get after those those 10-0 start values and, and stick the landings.
3: Coach, we had Bill Moose in here the other night, and he mentioned that uh, you're, you're getting close to opening the Francis yeah. Allen practice facility. He says you're waiting on some equipment, and, and maybe in the next two weeks you get the thing opened.
9: Yeah, we are really excited about this, and uh, hopefully everything will be be installed here in the next couple weeks. Uh, the girls will transition over, uh, and we'll begin practicing over there. Uh, just, the, I mean, the the resources, the training um You know equipment that we have available that's just going to help our efficiency of the practices the ability you know the different landing surfaces to help um the wear and tear on the girls um, bodies and and just keep them from breaking down over the the length of the season but you know just what it does and the doors it opens for recruiting and the legacies that it acknowledges um, obviously with francis allen and and our alumni um but yeah it's going to be pretty spectacular when it's all said and done and, and looking forward to getting in there and, and, you know, getting to work.
3: Fantastic. Coach, we appreciate the update. Best of luck tomorrow, 6 o'clock. It should be some terrific gymnastics. We hope everybody can get out and support the Oscars tomorrow night. Best of luck.
9: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great night.
3: You bet. Heather yep. Brink, Husker Women's Gymnastics coach again. The Michigan Wolverines tomorrow night. 6 o'clock, the Vanny Center, if you can't make it ESPN2, of we'll the television broadcast of that tomorrow night. Coach Brink joined us on our Sports SportsHoundly hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service experience the difference, purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. We're back with more Sports SportsHoundly including a, a decommitment to the Oscar football 2021 class. We'll give you the details next. <laughs> Callers and guests into our show, dial us up on our Sports Highly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Penn State up by two. With about 16 minutes to go on their game, the Big Ten has announced, Ben, that they have suspended for one game Wisconsin guard Brad Davison following a flagrant foul against Iowa. He, uh, with a low blow, I think it was against Luca Garza the other night. It was McCaffrey. McCaffrey, um, but yeah, it was a,
4: <laughs> it was a spectacle, and it was even more of a spectacle. The tweet that came out about how often he did that, coming off a screen, trying to roll around it, basically doing the WWF wrestling move where you go do the low blow. Um, just a dirty player, you know. Every yeah. everyone wants to commend him on his hustle, but that video package. I mean, he – this is – and and the, it shows him sticking his feet under, you know, guys jumping down for rebounds like what Grayson Allen used to do. I mean, pat yourself on the back for hustling and diving after balls, but, you know, you're – this isn't the first time this has been an issue no, with him.
3: No, he has had multiple uh, – and also today, Wisconsin – is it Kobe King? Quit their team. He's like their second-leading scorer. He's left the team, so that's – Little uh little unrest going on in Madison. They've had a decent little run here the last six weeks, but you have a guy who's been one of your top scorers leave the team and you have another guy get suspended for a game they play uh, michigan state this weekend's their next game they won't have king or davison for that game all right that's going to do it tonight for the show thanks to ben to tim to brett and all of you for being a part of this one tonight tomorrow very short show we'll get you ready for husker women's basketball as they get set to take on the minnesota golden gophers on the road we'll check in with matt Cody, get a preview of that game and give you all the day's headlines as well. Have a great night. Thanks for being a part of this one. Good night.